Hello, and thank you so very, very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show inspired by, and in memory of, my big sister Rebecca, and her love for all things pop culture, especially the people, places, and things of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and I am your captain aboard this pop culture time machine. On each episode of this show, we take a deep dive into the myriad of pop culture topics that my sister experienced and loved while she was growing up and during her adulthood. In many instances, these are things that I too enjoyed. I lost my sister tragically in 2019 and wanted to do something to honor her memory, so here we are. I devote each episode to becoming sort of a mini-expert on whatever the pop culture topic is. Thank you for coming along for the ride. You are tuning into episode number 21, the Sony Walkman, the portable music player that laid the groundwork for the Discman, the MP3 player, and the infamous iPod. 1979 was an incredible year in the world of pop culture. In July of that year, for example, Disco Demolition Night happened at Comiskey Park, which is where the Chicago White Sox used to play before the stadium was demolished. And yes, I am old enough to have actually seen a few games there prior to its demolition. Fans went crazy that night and threw disco records by the likes of Donna Summer and the Village People in the stands and onto the field, forcing the team to forfeit the game. Sounds a bit extreme, doesn't it? I mean, I love Donna Summer and the Village People. I'm not kidding. So that story really hurts. I often sing the lyrics to the song In the Navy by the Village People around my kids, and my oldest son keeps asking, What's the Navy? I personally cannot handle country music whatsoever, so I just don't listen to it. Go figure. I don't storm a baseball stadium in protest about it. But anyways, also in 1979, Michael Jackson released one of his masterpieces with his Off the Wall album. ESPN launched, and for about $550, you could purchase an Atari 400 home computer. And finally, on July 1st, 1979, Sony launched the Walkman, the compact and personal listening device that would change how the world listened to music. Possibly forever. So grab your roller skates, and don't bother with the helmet, it's the 70s, your skull will be fine, walk it off, walk it off, your sweatbands, and your teeny tiny athletic shorts, here we go. Believe it or not, the concept, development, and subsequent release of the Sony Walkman started with, well, opera, of all things. A Sony executive by the name of Matsura Ubuka traveled a lot for his job, and he often listened to music as he traveled. He really enjoyed opera. He often dragged a large cassette recorder around with him, but it was bulky, heavy, and, I imagine, distracting to other people. In 1978, he asked Norio Oga, then executive deputy president, to design a compact playback-only stereo version of the large tape recorders that newspaper and radio reporters used. In fact, in 1977, just a year before, Sony released a recorder aimed at reporters called the Pressman. Genius. Genius name. He also thought it would be incredibly practical and distinctive if the player that he had in his mind had headphones. 
Ibuka thought that having something you could listen to while walking around would be of interest to people. And, as we all know, he was absolutely right. God, Japanese people are so smart. I would know, because I am Japanese. I mean, I know it's obvious by the sound of my voice, but seriously, though, I am Japanese. My grandmother is from Japan. She came here after World War II. But anyways, back to the Walkman. In 1978, Sony started to develop the design of the Walkman. They took apart previous recorders like the Pressman, removed the parts that were not necessary for a personal listening device, and kept what they did need. The Walkman was first released in Japan on July 1, 1979. Sony expected to sell maybe 5,000 units per month, but they ended up selling 50,000 units in the first two months. It cost about $200 at the time, $700 in today's money, to purchase a Walkman, so it was certainly not inexpensive. The Walkman really appealed to Japanese consumers because for many of those who lived in big cities like Tokyo, for example, the hustle and bustle of city life could be quite overwhelming. The Japanese sort of yearned for their own personal space, and the Walkman afforded them this opportunity. The Walkman wasn't Sony's first foray into making compact music players, though. In 1955, they introduced their first transistor radio. They had also previously released a pocket radio, which could clip into, as you may have guessed, a shirt pocket. When it was first introduced in the United States, the Walkman was called the Soundabout. In the United Kingdom, it was called the Stowaway. In Sweden, it was called the Freestyle. Sony realized that having different names for different countries was not a great idea, so to keep things consistent and less confusing they decided on the Walkman for the standard name. The first edition of the Walkman was called the TPS L2. It was sort of slate blue and gray in color and came with a leather snap case with a strap to help protect and carry it. It required two AA batteries to operate. It featured easy-to-find and push buttons to control the music as well as headphones. The headphones were truly state-of-the-art for their time. They were lightweight and comfortable to wear, which was completely different from your typical headphones, which were large and often uncomfortable to wear. It also featured, get this, two headphone jacks. That's right. You and your friends could listen to the latest album from Sister Sledge, The Pretenders, Rick James, or Prince at the same time. And if that wasn't amazing enough, the Walkman also had a feature called a hotline. If you are listening to music with another person, with each person having their own respective headphones, by pressing an orange button and speaking into the built-in microphone, you could talk to them and they would hear you through their headphones. Because, you know, giving them a nudge and gesturing for them to take off their headphones so that you could chat was just way too difficult. I mean, who has time for that? It was pretty cool, though, because the volume of the music would go down on the headphones so you could hear each other better. And it made me wonder, how many couples or friends made fun of strangers on the subway or on airplanes together while utilizing this feature? What jerks. As part of their elaborate advertising, Sony actually paid people and couples to wear the Walkman in public. Despite the initial success in Japan, it took some time for consumers in other countries, especially the United States, to wrap their heads around the concept of a small personal listening device. After all, In the late 1970s and early 1980s, having a large boombox was a sign of how cool you were. The bigger the boombox, the cooler you were. Music was an incredibly social endeavor, 
When music was blasted in a park, friends would all gather around and dance. In addition, going out dancing was incredibly popular all over the world. Music and being social was truly universal. The sound from boomboxes, however, often irritated the people who were not listening to that, but still, a device with headphones was seen as sort of antisocial. If only they could take a time machine to the future to see just how much cell phones would make us antisocial. But I digress. In one town, I believe it was in New Jersey, the Sony Walkman was banned from being used while people were walking, perhaps across a crosswalk or riding their bikes, as officials felt there was danger of people getting hit by cars while being distracted by their Walkmans. And I wonder if someone was able to travel back in time and tell those same officials that 40 years from now, people will die taking pictures of themselves while in scenic locations pretending that they're doing yoga to post online and while chasing after cartoon characters on their phones. But I digress yet again. Early advertising for the Walkman in the United States focused on showing people using the Walkman during active activities such as roller skating, exercising, and dancing. In one famous commercial, a young guy is walking down one side of the street, and he looks sort of down and depressed. The street is dark, and it almost seems like he's being filmed in black and white. On the other side of the street, everyone is happy and is dressed in colorful clothing. He decides to walk over there. Someone hands him a Walkman, he puts on the headphones, and all of a sudden, he appears in color with a huge smile on his face. He then walks down the sunny side of the street next to a very pretty woman. The Sony Walkman is a tiny stereo cassette player with truly incredible sound. Put on a Walkman and see the world in a whole new light. Sony Walkman. The Walkman from Sony, the one and only. Everything was better when you were wearing a Walkman. Later advertisements featured celebrities like Tom Hanks, Jane Fonda, and Madonna. The Walkman was built incredibly well. If something broke, consumers would often fix it themselves. And for $200 at the time, or $700 today, you bet your bottom dollar you want to fix it yourself. For example, if the band that moved the gears which rotated the tape snapped, consumers would fix it themselves. Aesthetically, it was designed well too. Even now, 40 years after it came out, it doesn't really look like a super dated piece of equipment. It's a true testament to the strength of Sony's engineers. People wanted to use one of them not only because of the music, of course, but also because it looked so cool. The next model of the Walkman was called the WM2. You could now record on it, and it was even smaller than the first model. In fact, it was just a bit larger than an actual cassette tape. It was the smallest portable music player of its time. It started to come in many different colors with the update like navy blue, red, and silver. In 1983, cassettes outsold vinyl for the first time, and a lot of that was thanks to the Walkman. As the popularity of the Walkman exploded, so too did the popularity of aerobics. People were using Walkmans to help improve the intensity of their workouts. And I know that I certainly can't remember a time when I didn't listen to music while I was working out. For example, when I first got into biking when I was in middle school, I used to ride my bike late in the afternoon and evening and always had a mixtape to listen to. I rocked the Jamiroquai big time during those days. Big time. And if you don't know who Jamiroquai is, look it up on YouTube. 
Anyways, between 1987 and 1997, at the height of the Walkman's popularity, the number of people who said they walked for exercise increased by 30%. And during this peak period, a statue was erected in 1989 to mark the 10-year anniversary of the Sony Walkman. It's a large, bronze-colored statue that features a person walking in, listening to, well, a Walkman. I've been unable to figure out where the statue is located, but I imagine it must be somewhere in Japan. It's crazy to think that about half of the people alive today who walk past the statue will have no idea what a Walkman is and or will have never used one. By 1992, Sony had sold 100 million units of the Walkman. At some point, probably in middle school, my sister got an official Walkman, that lucky duck. I remember her being really frustrated when she was in high school because she unfortunately got a Saturday detention, just like the kids in The Breakfast Club, and she was not allowed to bring her Walkman. Her Snoop Dogg and Smashing Pumpkins tapes would just have to wait. It was funny how my sister sort of became cool when she was in high school. Definitely a lot cooler than me, and that's for sure. However, just a few years before her taste in music changed, she was rocking out to Amy Grant tapes. Amy Grant, in case you're not familiar, is a famous singer who made the successful transition from Christian music to pop music in the early 1990s. I'm not kidding. Anyways, throughout its many years of development, there were 170 different models of the Walkman. There was even a sport model. It was yellow with yellow headphones that were even more compact than the previous ones. It was also more durable than previous models and could withstand more impact. It featured an armband and the buttons were rubber sealed. Other incarnations included an AM-FM radio, bass boost, and one model was even solar-powered. Subsequent models would also remove the additional headphone jack. Sony also introduced a Walkman for young children called My First Walkman, which I believe my younger cousin received one year for Christmas. I have no idea what he was listening to, but for literally hours, he went in circles through their house, singing along and shaking his head to the beat. Each room on the main level of their house was connected by a doorway, so he walked through the whole house over and over and over again. He was so excited to be able to listen to his own music. There was also a Sony Super Walkman released and even a royal version, which was encased in a velvet-lined box and given to Princess Diana. After an impressive run for many years, the popularity of cassette tape started to taper off. Get it? Tape? Er, off? That was bad. And compact discs or CDs started to take off. Interest in tapes and subsequently the Walkman dissipated, so Sony developed the Discman. I had several Discmen. Is that even the right way to pluralize Discman? Anyways, I had several Discmen as I was growing up. One of my favorite embarrassing stories is when I was in college, I was running with my Discman on a treadmill and it was resting on the treadmill that I was using. As I was running, it fell onto the treadmill, but thankfully I was able to jump over it in enough time without it smashing into a million pieces. And remarkably, I didn't fall off the treadmill either. Reflexes like a cat, I tell ya. That being said, it fell so hard that it was pretty loud and everyone was looking for the loud thud in the huge rec center that my college has. But what really put the last nail in the coffin for the Walkman was the Apple iPod, which was released in 2003. People could now carry all of their music digitally. Instead of having a cassette tape with maybe a dozen or so songs on it, you could now carry hundreds and later thousands upon thousands of songs on one device. 
My sister gave me my first iPod. It was green after she got a newer model. When I left that one on an airplane, she bought me another one. This time it was red with my name on it and phone number was engraved onto it. When I lost that one, she didn't get me another one, which is totally understandable. I actually still have an old iPod shuffle that still works. The battery doesn't last as long as it used to, but hey, still not bad. I actually use it all the time for yard work as it's tiny and I hate having heavy stuff like a cell phone in my pockets. However, no matter how much portable music progresses, we will always need to thank Sony for their genius product, which was the Walkman. As one Sony engineer said, the culture of carrying music with you started with the TPS L2 and has continued on today. I hope you've enjoyed this look back on the Sony Walkman, one of the most successful cassette players of all time. This innovative piece of technology spawned 150 million imitations, but none was quite like the original. Not even the Emerson portable cassette player that I used while on the rowing machine at my local YMCA. True story. In 2009, the Walkman as we know it was discontinued, but by that time it had sold 385 million units. Despite its unfortunate, yet somewhat predictable discontinuation, people will always be nostalgic for simpler times, and in 2014, an original Sony Walkman was featured in the hit movie Guardians of the Galaxy. And interest in the device found a resurgence. People started to sell them on eBay for hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars. You can still find them now, still going for relatively high prices. The Walkman has had impressive staying power and will be remembered for generations to come, including mine and my sisters. If you are enjoying the Pop Culture Retrospective podcast, please subscribe on any major podcast platform. Please also rate the show on iTunes as it helps bring more listeners to the podcast. You can contact me anytime. My email address is popcultureretrospective at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at popcultureretro. I'm also on Instagram now. You can follow me there. I'm at popcultureretrospective. I kind of go back and forth with how I feel about social media. It's kind of a, a long story, but in the interest of the show and kind of connecting with listeners and letting people know what shows are coming up, I figured, hey, why not revisit things like Twitter and Instagram? So come check it out. I hope you will join me for my next show where we will discuss one of the most popular and talented R&B singers of all time, the one and only Usher. You'll have the pleasure of hearing me reference a song of his that you're probably not familiar with that is just ridiculous. But I still love him anyways. Until then, be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories. <laughs>